problems, politics involved, everything like that. But you've got to remember what the core value is, which is what you believe in and what you want to achieve and the end goal. Uh, and keep setting yourself targets. Um, so when I, when I came to Canada, I'm proud to announce a partnership with two companies, Kings Fightwear and Unity Underwear Co. Both of these companies have top-of-the-line apparel, both in combat sports and comfort. I can't wait to show you guys more of this, and you can actually use the code DREAMER for the special edition of MMA Journal Canada, issue number seven, the DREAMER edition. Check the code and check the link in the bio. Thank you guys so much, and I want to thank the sponsors again. Thank you. Honored that you're speaking with me. I also feel like this is kind of destiny because you're your dream and your goal for bringing this sport to light in Canada. Um, you know, that's something that I have with a burning desire, honestly. And that's what I'm trying to, to promote uh, mainly. And, and what you're bringing um, with your knowledge, with your, with your students, your gym that you opened, um, you know, it's, it's a long way from, from where you started. And uh, I really, really appreciate you coming here and choosing here. So thank you very much. No, well, thanks for the introduction. But being honest with you, like, um, if you actually absolutely believe in yourself, understand there's going to be hurdles in the way, which you can jump over. You literally can achieve, especially look, um, you know, being from England, but you know, you're from Canada or America or you know Holland, France, those sort of countries, um, you do have a, a chance to really uh, change things if you want to mm -hmm. um, there's always going to be issues there's always going to be all these problems politics involved everything like that but you've got to remember what the core value is which is what you believe in and what you want to achieve and the end goal uh, and keep setting yourself targets um, so when I when I came to Canada my you know I love coaching I love anything to do with fight sports um, uh, I've got a lot of networks over the years and putting things together but I really do really love promoting shows and putting shows together. That's something I really, really am passionate about. It's not an easy business to do at all. Um, you know, throwing COVID into that mix as well was not easy. But I think now we're in a first full year out of it and we're starting to see events all over Canada. Eyes are on Can Canada too. Like, you know, we're seeing UFC now come back, which is great. Mm. Um, there's a lot of fighters that fight on my cards from all, all around Canada that have great exposure mm -hmm. and are just happy to be fighting, happy to be competing regularly, uh, you know, not just one-off events once a year or taking silly fights, which I noticed a lot of Canadians did when I first came is they took fights just because they wanted to fight. You know, mm -hmm. they're in the gym all the time, grafting away, um, and they took the wrong fight. But I, I understand on the other hand, because they just want to compete. But now they've got a chance now to actually build up a career, um, uh, being entertaining fights, but the right fights at the right level, well-matched fights. And then eventually from grassroots up, we can hopefully see some real high-level elite Muay Thai fighters, especially um, in Canada. I think that's, um, I think that's absolutely going to happen, especially with um, this year, you know, I, I've kind of thought this year as a year of the fight sample and easy to keep integrity because the main thing is telling the story of the athletes. I think the story of the athletes is one of the main, the main things that can inspire people. And through that, it's a, it's a full circle because that, that gives people the power to get back up after they've been knocked down. That's one of the things I think I've spoken with every person that I've had on here is, is how much their story um, helps people. Because I know for myself, I've been brought up, so so much 
by seeing these guys and especially talking with them about their mindsets. You know, what I keep in my head every day now is talking about or talking with Regan and Ursel. You know, he took a knee to the face, defending his title, dropped him. He was like KO'd and stood up. And, you know, I think about that when I stub my toe, you know, just like small things just to help you get through. And um... Well, Regan Ursel is, uh, is a special fighter. I actually saw him fight in China. Um, it's got to be uh, seven or eight years ago. I had a student fight. On one of the Wing Lung uh, Bun shows, WLF shows, and um, he got dropped. Same again, got dropped by this um, Chinese fire. that was strong, built like a tank. He got dropped. Um, all the audience stood up, you know, because obviously the hometown hometown guy, mm-hmm. Regan, got up, bit on his mouthpiece, and just went to town on this guy and put him down three or four times. Fight was over, <laughs> and I remember seeing him going, "Wow, this guy's got." some recovery rate and he's done it a couple of times in one where he's got put down maybe just maybe a bit of a slow start mm-hmm. and then he sort of goes right but he's got so much of a groove now going you mm-hmm. know fighting in Muay Thai fighting in kickboxing making a name for himself that... um, he, he's a real nice guy his coach is nice but going back to that fighter's mindset thing um, a lot of it is and the fighters that you spoke to and the fighters that you will speak to they're very blue collar a lot of these guys they don't come for much right so this means everything to them mm-hmm. so if you really have that mindset of the, this means everything no matter what's in front of you you get put down you have to get up right um and it can come to a point when these blue collar guys um they get to a level where they get too comfortable mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. So that's why i appreciate people like floyd mayweather you know mm-hmm. still doing exhibition bouts 47 48 his his mindset is legacy now, but he still has that blue collar from the streets mindset, right? And oh, you know, his guy's worth the guy's worth five, six hundred million. And I have to appreciate the guy because of that. He still gets up at three in the morning running. I know he's only doing exhibition bouts now, but what a great fire he was! Oh, absolutely impressive. And um, you know, it's funny. I was speaking with Tom Loeffler, and he said that um, Floyd's Floyd's record put a damper on boxing. Um, just trying to keep that perfect record and how much that other promotions have tried to keep their fighters with a perfect record by giving them lesser uh, opponents. Um, yeah, I think this happens. Like, you know, yeah. boxing is, if you lose a, a two or three times, it, it can mean the end of your career. I think a lot of that has changed now. If you're in exciting fights, you still get the pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. You also have on the MMA scene, guys uh, on the amateur scene, who then turn pro, they're very select their fights because they really want to get into UFC or Bellator, you know, before that level. Mm-hmm. So that also happens on a sort of lower level in MMA also. And that's why I appreciate Muay Thai a lot because if you're in an, an exciting fight, no problem, you can fight again next month. You know, that's what it's all about. Very, that's- very different. Um, I, <laughs> I watched that fight, uh, Liam Harrison against Muay Thai. And, um, oh, yeah. oh, oh my goodness, five drops in, in one round. You don't see that in Nuts. any other kind of sport. Uh, and people Nuts. are aware of this. If I, if I say those names up here, they don't know. And, and no. it, it's truly disappointing because that, that effort and seeing that and seeing Liam's face after getting the win, um, and even Muay Thai as well, and just how both of them that's cemented in, in, you know, combat sports history forever, especially in Muay Thai, uh, you know. Well, that was... I mean, I was watching that live and I was just going, come on, Liam. And then, of course, he got caught with a head kick first, I think. Mm. Um, and I thought, geez, like, mm. this is, uh, 
this is not going to end too well. And then boom, he just pulled it out. Mung Tai, in my opinion, uh, smothered Liam. And Liam loves to, the dog fights. He loves to swing, right? Yeah. So he got he got into his zone, and he just Liam just bang 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 just landed with some punches, and he just flips. I couldn't believe it. And then of course how he ended it, I was just like fair play to that man. Absolutely fair play to that man, and he, he got the bonus, which you know there isn't particularly, especially from my era before there was no money really in Muay Thai, mm-hmm. um, but now and now he got a big bonus, I think a double bonus, um, and he walks away a happy man in one of the greatest fights you'll you'll see. Or greatest rounds you'll see in fight history, that's and he he got and he walked away with nice bonus, and that's what he deserves for his legacy, right? Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 the uh, not just for praise sake, but for just a pure appreciation sake for the technicality uh, of the sport. Um, you know, it's it's purely incredible, and for people that aren't aware, um, you've trained Liam, you've trained. 22, we have 22 world champions, I believe. I haven't trained Liam, by the way. I haven't trained Liam. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no, 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 no. I trained... um, So Liam has fought on on my show before, Muay Thai Grand Prix, when I used to own Muay Thai Grand Prix in England. Um, And he fought one of my students called Charlie Peters. And it was about three weeks before I came to Canada. It was my last promotional event and my last time as a coach, uh, as a fighter, for a fighter, sorry. Um, three weeks before Charlie beat Liam. It was a real Battle of Britain fight. Um, fantastic atmosphere. Um, you know, Liam's a friend of mine, and obviously Charlie's been was my student for twelve years up to that. And we built him up to to UK number one and a multiple times world champion. And it made uh, it made history for Britain as that mm-hmm. fight that happened, number one versus number two. And these are the fights that should happen all the time: number one versus number two. Mm-hmm. And and fair play to Liam, he gave Charlie the opportunity. It was a couple of years in the making, so it was good for a promotional point of view because we could build up a story. Um, but no, no, I've not trained him. It's uh, Charlie. If you watched the fight on YouTube, it was uh, coming up five years on uh, this July. Yeah, it's a good fight, great fight between the two. Very nice. And so you came to Canada. Was it? Was it about five years ago? Five years in August. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's, it's, I mean. Not really that long, yeah. Um, in terms, but it, it's gone so quick. Mm-hmm. So much has happened. Uh, a lot of up, up and downs. It's not all been, you know, roses and rainbows and all that sort of thing. Uh, being in a, a different country, especially for a short time when COVID hit, was extremely difficult. Uh, especially in my industry, which is two things: which is obviously running and coaching a gym, and then of course promotional point of view. Mm-hmm. So financially, it was like. Ooh, yeah, um, it weren't easy. And then I was applying for uh, to become a resident, and uh, they usually take between six and eight months off a work permit. But this took twenty two months because of COVID. Um, and what what that what that means is that it means, it means I couldn't leave the country one because otherwise it would have to reset everything. Two, I was just in midst buying my house, um, and everything changes from a work permit to a residence. Um, that. And then, um, of course, I wouldn't get the the normal support of what a resident of Canada would get because I was on a work permit. Mm. And, you know, I have a family with three kids, too. So I was like, oh, my God, have I made the right choice? Absolutely. You know, do I go back and just come back later on? Um, and no one knew what was going to happen. To be honest, when COVID first happened, I was like, oh, this will be over in a week, two weeks. Because mm. I, I was in Thailand when SARS happened. 
Um, and, uh, you know, we didn't really know much about it then because it wasn't so much social media as such. And that seemed to have passed pretty quickly in terms of in the media, in and out, and everyone was back to normality. But um, I, I presumed it would be a couple of weeks and it would be over. So, and it just kept going on and on and on, as you know. And everybody got affected differently. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, restaurants just destroyed and you have the same thing. Um, but this kind of slingshotted the launch, honestly, of combat sports in Canada. This kind of lull, this kind of eye of the storm, as sad as and horrific as the uh, the plague was um, and still is and, and how it affected everyone. It kind of added this just lull, this damp, like just nothing was going on. And especially up here, um, you know, you spoke on you know, we are definitely, definitely behind, uh, especially, you know, Muay, especially in Muay Thai and kickboxing and those sports as well. Um, they're not covered as well. They're not as appreciated as much. And even even in MMA, Bellator, um, one championship, the only thing you're truly hearing about on any kind of headlines are the world title fights. You know, Alex uh, Volkanovsky, Adesanya, those even barely are getting main, uh, main coverage. So, uh, you know, I think... Well UFC coming to Canada, this is going to help launch that with your charity bash coming. That's going to help launch that with Adrian opening the uh, academy here with Petch training for his title defense yeah. here with the want to have uh, champions out of that gym, Olympians out of that gym. They're, they're like requesting fighters to come. And if they work with you, they'll sponsor you. And this is happening all over the country. And they're like, you know, this is this is a really, really big, big year for, for combat sports. It is a boom. There's 100% a boom. And I, I've said from the beginning, what needs to happen is there needs to be a star from Canada. Mm. Uh, hopefully there's more in each field. There's at least one or two stars. That's what you need is, is to create a star that obviously has the personality, obviously can fight, um, can sell himself and market himself well, but you need to create a star. And being honest with you in Canada, the last star was GSP. Absolutely. You had Rory McDonald, of course, who's an amazing fighter, but he never really made it in terms of like on the worldwide scene. Um, and then it's not been a, a star since. Mm -hmm. So I think MMA, I think boxing, Muay Thai, mm -hmm. they all need a star each from Canada to make it known that we're here. You know, it's getting there. That's And that's why, that's why um, I've tried to do a, I'm working on nationals, which is an amateur circuit for kids as well, to try and get these 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-olds in. Because I always tell this story. You might like this story. I'm sure you'll appreciate it. When I first came to Canada for a show in 2015, um, before I moved here, it was a real cool crowd. There were six, 700 people. It was in a casino in Calgary. I had a guy fighting. Um, and... When I came back in 2017, I was doing a little bit more research now because I wanted to immigrate. And I always tell this story that when I first came, if I was to sit and watch an event in Calgary to start with, and I brought my son with me, who at the time was four years old, and he turned around and said, hey, daddy, this goes to any father or mother. And they turn around and say, hey, I really want to do this for a career. I would have probably said then, there's no point. Because you look at uh, basketball, football, soccer, um, hockey, they all have programs going on for youth. And mm. uh, regular competitions going on, um, which, which, entire, which then goes on to sponsorships and TV coverage or uh, stream coverage. There's none of that was happening. 
Mm. Fast forward five years, if anyone takes their kid, sits down and watches an event, let's just say they watch a Moita World Cup, they turn around, they can now see there's a program and a system set. So now it's like a, it warms my heart up a little bit where a 10, 11, 12-year-old can now turn around and say, right, I want to join a gym. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a program now, which is the Nationals, for kids to compete at. We've got a Muay Thai World Cup Juniors, which uh, um, Kyle Messenger, who's a, a former fighter of uh, mine also at Elite, uh, he's got his own show. So now there's a program for kids to compete regularly, which you're going to see then in the next three to five years. These kids are going to become stars That's- and they're going to have experience because we're getting 16, 17, 18-year-olds just, just starting training at then and then just learning how to compete and if you go to like England for example uh, for a fight called John Haggerty who's fighting for the one championship title on Saturday against Nongo he started when he was 5, 6, 7 and yeah. he had 50, 60, 70, 80 junior fights by the time he was 15, 16 and that's our target so these kids that are coming through these these uh, nationals and small events regular events and now realising there, there could be a chance to actually make a career of it and that is the goal that's the goal from start to finish. That's beautiful. Absolutely. Um, that's what Adrian is pushing and Petra are pushing, especially out of that academy. They're offering uh, free um, um, first classes for kids to come in and for their parents. Awesome. To come in. They offer a really fun environment for that. And they, they really give the kids a good workout. But again, that's that's part of their main thing. And I, I think uh, you and Adrian have met uh, in the past. Um, Adrian, she... Well, oddly enough, oddly yeah. enough, Adrian, Adrian um, was actually born um and raised in a town next to me where i'm from in england oddly enough and in a small world he trained a couple of times with my first ever muay thai coach um very weird and then when i first met him, i actually met him he actually bought a tie over for my moto grand prix we did a tournament um once and i met him very briefly then and then when i met him again because he had his his son fighting on one of our shows great yeah. um he sounds, you know, he sounds and speaks like me. And I was like, where are you from? You know, and then we start talking. It's just no. a strange, martial arts is such a strange, small world. And I know Adrian now is going to take over Vancouver. Let me tell you. Oh, he's no, uh, he's driven. He's driven. He's got a good heart. That's the big thing. Hmm. Uh, he's got, he's bought in Patch. He's got a really good business partner. Hmm. Um, and I think uh, you're going to hear a lot more things and fighters. It'd probably take a couple of years for fights to really come through, you know, develop through. But I think in the next 18 months to two years onwards, you're going to start really hearing about that, Jim. Your first trainer, was it Grandmaster Skren? No, no. Um, my first coach was actually Sean Toomey, his name was. So what happened is I was 12 years old, so 1992. That's how old I am now. <laughs> um, what happened is my brother had uh, was training in Manchester in England. And he called up um, the house phone in those days, of course, no mobiles then, and then said uh, to my mum, hey, get Kieran involved in, in Muay Thai. He's going to love it. Try and find a local club. So we found a local club. It was once a week. And I went. Uh, and I actually, to be fair, it was all right. It wasn't a lot, a lot of fighters would tell you, oh, when I first walked in the gym, I was buzzing. Um, you know, this is what I wanted to do the rest of my life. Eh, Twelve. It was a bit different for me. I walked in the gym. I was playing football, soccer a lot of times. I had quite a social circle of a lot of friends. Um, 
and those sort of things. So I went once a week and the coach, Sean, said, oh, you've got like really good power in your hands and, you know, um, you should keep it up. I sort of went in and out for a couple of years. And then um, Sean had left the gym and my brother had came and left and graduated from university and then came down and then overtook the gym. So I was now uh, nearly 15 and uh, I was training a, a little bit more intense two, three times a week then because those times we never really had many full-time gyms, especially in London. And uh, I had my first bout. And even then, I wasn't really thinking about this could be a career move for me. I was just, oh, it's pretty cool. Have a fight. You know, that was a normal thing in our area. Everyone had fights. And then um, it wasn't until I was about 16 or 17. And I, I turned pro at 15. But when I was about 16 or 17, and, and my brother had started promoting with Sean, actually. And, and there was a bit more momentum growing. Now we're having 800,000 people at an event, 1,200 people at an event. And I started winning fights. And I, I won an English title when I was 17. And uh, uh, there's a little story with it. Afterwards, all these other gyms are like, hey, Kieran, when you're fighting next and, you know, you're really good. And, you know, I think you've got good skills and stuff. And I was like, wow. It wasn't until then the sort of the penny dropped and said, maybe I could do this, you know. <laughs> I really enjoy this. I really, really enjoy this. I was working in London at the time. So I quit my job at 18 uh, and then started coaching full time at 18 and trying to fight as much as possible, Tra tried to travel the world as much as possible. I lived in Thailand for multiple years uh, in my 20s. Uh, and things just fell into place a lot of the time um, during the fight career. And it was, I look back at my fight career and it was over in a snap of the fingers, yeah. Uh, but what a journey it was. So many different countries fighting in, uh, living in, in Thailand for multiple years. I've still got friends for life from it, you know. And again, those times going back to it, it was never really financially what it is or can be now with yeah. one championship every week doing shows with exposure and 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 now you can actually go to thailand if you're at a good level you can actually get sponsored by the gym which is including the, the accommodation food uh training i never had that so yeah. i had to pay my own way so i had sponsors and i was coaching just to make some money and you know not going out on a friday night yeah. those sort of things which I always wanted to because uh, I do like a drink after a fight and uh, yeah so I had to commit to do it um, yeah so that that's that's basically like my journey into the fighting and how that began um, and I did like I said I, I remember being 18 years old I had knocked out a guy in the fifth round and the crowd were going crazy um, and I always had, always had like our gym had a good following so I remember all my, all, where all my crowd and family and friends were sitting and they were just jumping up and down. And I thought, that's, that's cool. It's a real good feeling. And I remember looking up and I had these sort of like bleachers high up and there was this crowd just going crazy. And I was like, I don't recognize any one of those guys. Right. So a week or two weeks later, um, where that venue was, I, I met someone for a couple of drinks, just have a bit of lunch with and stuff. And I walked into this pub and the guy had recognized me. I went, oh, you're Kieran on you, you fought two weeks ago and knocked that guy out. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I didn't, didn't know who he was. He said, oh, I'm with my friends. We all watched you. We're big fans. So I sat down with him. And uh, it was actually, I was, I was due to, to meet a, a girl then, right? It was like her first or second date. I can't remember. Uh, and uh, she walked in the pub 30 minutes later and I was literally half drunk because everyone was buying me drinks. 
And she was like, have you been here before? I said, no, they just recognised me from a fight two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so things like that, those mini stories in, uh, are really what like drawed me to the game of just being in the gym, friends for life. Of course, I love fighting. I love mm-hmm. trying to be in the big fights. I love travelling the world. But the friendships for life, and the networking which I have now into promoting because of that, it's uh, yeah, it's just an gr- incredible journey. Absolutely, and it's it's definitely um, you know people that you know there's not really too much fat to them, like metaphorically, honestly. You know what you see is what you get. There's not really a lot of bullshit behind them. Um, you know most of them are like you said, blue collar, and just that community as well is they really care about each other. Um, so you know you said you're you're you said you're a good fighter, uh, you're a great coach. Um, you said you're never the best, and but you say you're an even better promoter, and you yep. say that's where your heart lies. And I think that's that's from like really able to um, being able to help these these fighters out, give them a platform, um, you know, help them out. And again, that kind of goes back to you know helping tell their story as well. Um, that's you know, exactly uh, it. Luke Skywalker, uh, you know, Luke Whelan, I believe, uh, is his last oh, name. Oh yeah, yeah. And that was um, uh, he I was a student of mine for ten years. He just won uh, uh, the belt for Hitman, right? The Hitman fight right. against Williams. Yeah, he's doing excellent. I just chatted with him this morning. I'm going to be chatting with him next week. Uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, just really trying to get these guys and, and bring that kind of, that that audience, um, you know, give them that that uh, those eyes. So this past- yeah, Luke's, Luke's a great guy. So Luke joined me when he was about 18 or 19 years old, I think, yes. And uh, he was... He was competing sort of an amateur level at another gym. And um, he came over, started sparring with some of my guys. And then we, we formed the team up and he um, he started uh, training under me. And I started getting him loads of fights. And me and him, because he was more of a K1 kickboxing rules fighter than a Muay Thai fighter. Mm-hmm. And he understood the game, obviously, with the slight differences between Muay Thai and kickboxing. So... Uh, he had a lot of fights. We, we went to France, we went to Holland, he fought in Japan. Um, he fought in Eastern Europe, Slovakia, Slovenia. Um, and and what, what he'd done is he was like a road warrior, to be fair. His learning was done on the road in mm. heavy fights and hard fights. And he used to fight a lot. Like him, Charlie, and his, and his brother, Jamie. Um, they were the three sort of solid guys. I'd call them up and say, right, I've got you a fight in two weeks. And it's in Italy. Let's go. And we'll go, you know, and uh, and they, they learned so much from those fights, those last minute changes to rules changes to being ripped off, robbed, you know, um, to uh, to taking the harder fight sometimes, uh, but really, really learning. Abu Dhabi is another country we fought into. He's, he's fought all around the world, Luke. And um, uh, and he learned so much. And now he's a fighter slash coach. He's uh he's learned so much from those travels that we had, you know, and now he's becoming his his own. He's becoming his own as a coach, which is great. He's got a great little team. Uh, some of the guys are from what I used to coach as kids. Now that become that adults, they've joined him too, which is really good to see. So and and again, he won on the weekend. So he's managing to balance between coaching and fighting, which is really difficult to do. Um, and uh, I think he's still got a good few more years left. He looked, he looked excellent and it cool. It's really nice to see that belt on him. You know, that's, that's, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so you said it was an absolutely, you know, difficult process, just building uh, Muay Thai world cup, especially uh, here from the beginning as well. Um, but this last one, you, you know, you got the best reception yet so far. You said it was yeah. the highest pay-per-view 
uh, viewing broke the record for that. Uh, yeah. You know, I think like, like Tom just said as well for his past promotion, they just broke their record for uh, their Hollywood awesome. fight night on UFC fight pass. Um, you know, so these, these things are just, it, uh, like we said, it's, it's just exploding here. And, um, you know, 125 pound women division getting knockouts in the first round. Um, I tell you those, those little gloves in Muay Thai make so much of a difference. Um, you know, it's a lot to do with the distancing and learning about the little gloves and the defense because, uh, you know, you, you can defend with the, the eight ounce or 10 ounce gloves completely different from what you can for the MMA gloves. So, yeah, you're getting hits on the back of the head. And mm. like I said, your range has got to be different. So all those guys who fought bar, I think, two have never fought in, in their four ounce gloves before. So it makes a lot of a difference um, in everything. But it made it an exciting show. And going back to Moita World Cup, when I first came and said I was going to do this show, I had a lot of people, no names mentioned, that said, you can't do it. You won't be able to do it because... Oh, there's too much politics. This person would try and stop you. Um, it costs this much to promote a show. It costs this much for the commission. The commission don't allow this, don't allow that. I said, well, let me have a go at least. And I, I'm going to, it was actually quite nice because three of the four people um, actually now put their fighters on my shows or work with me. And I don't blame them. Like, you know, in the past, I think a lot of people have come with promise and, not delivered um and i just always said that success just defeats everything all the negativity you know and being successful the show got bigger fighters were really happy fighting on the show they were looked after um you know we brought wbc into the mold and wbc exposed canada and put that on a platform and then we now we got the one championship deal it brought it up another level um and uh Moita World Cup's in a really good place at the moment. Healthy position. It's looking really healthy, and um, you you've said uh, you know you have to take opportunity. You know you've you you know you've done events back to back to back for weekends and had to take those opportunities. Uh, even like Tate said in the past, honestly, like speed speed beats everything. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take a week to get back to you. I'm gonna get back to you within two minutes. It takes two minutes yes. to contact someone or get information. There's no Absolutely. point in making anyone wait especially if you're able to get that done now and get back to that person. And, and also there isn't a limit in this market up here. There's no limit because there's an almost, I don't want to say endless, but there's so many fighters that aren't getting uh, their story told. You know, I, I've yes. spoke, I spoke with half a dozen of the fighters on 360 promotions card, and I'll be speaking with all of them, including Gabriel Silva, Anderson Silva's son. Uh, nice. you, know, you know, there's not a lot of people really truly giving these guys this story and, even after, you know, his pro debut as well, you know, you'd think you would, I would love to see that in the news. That's excellent for combat sports and it's excellent to, to give kids and young guys that, that boost of like, wow, the spider, the goat, the, one of the greatest of all time, his son is making his debut after amateur kickboxing. Um, yeah. It's, it's also about though, um, being able to push yourself and believe in yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know it's difficult and I'm, had countless conversations with fighters about they can't balance between training. Obviously, a lot of them work to or have family or, you know, have their private life. And then they've got to try and sell themselves to put eyeballs on the screens or bums on seats. It's really hard to, to balance. But if you really believe that you could be the best of the best, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to manage all that. You know, I, I say to the fighters that come into the gym, if you have a personal matter 
or a problem outside of the gym, don't bring it into the gym. Cut off. Deal with it. Deal with it outside the gym. Focus. You think you think that you know? I suppose the the highest guy of that regard would probably be Conor McGregor. How he can deal with his family. Of course, he's getting paid now, but at the time he wasn't. When he he rose to fame, you know um, how he juggled everything, um, and then compete at a high level. You have to take your hat off to a guy like that. But and there's so, lots of notes to take from that. There's lot, yeah, there's lots of notes to take from that. Uh, don't expect it to happen. Go mm. and grab it. Go and get it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people go, oh, well, you know, I just, uh, I just do what I do. Um, and it is difficult because some people don't have to have persona to push. Like you don't have to be the bad guy all the time, right? Mm-hmm. But just market yourself. Connect with good people. Uh, do little video videos when you can. Mm-hmm. Interviews when you can. Push yourself out as much as you humanly possible can do, um, and again, it's still going to—it's still rolling a dice at the table because it's no guarantee, of course, that it will pay off. But it's worth—it's worth the gamble. And yeah, especially the—I uh, think—I think the uh, the high level and, and the ones with integrity recognize the other high level uh, athletes and ones with integrity as well. And and no matter, like you're not guaranteed if you are, um, you know, sticking to to what you believe in and truly believing that you'll make it. Um, because obviously nothing is guaranteed, but, but, um, I've, I've seen, and I know, um, a lot more people, um, with a not a never quit attitude and without like no limit attitude that are making it a lot farther. And even if they aren't, they're still having a good attitude with moving forward. I was just speaking yeah. about the, the co-main event of BKFC this weekend after I spoke with Bostwick and, um, I asked both of them, Max Holloway going into his fight, um, just recently he was fighting. Arnie, Arnie, Arnold Allen. Arnie Allen, yeah. yeah. And so, obviously, we know about what people were saying about Max Holloway, losing three times to Volkanovski. Um, you know, you, you get a little bit written off. And um, going into that fight, again, how he was going in with Calvin Cater, people saying, like, oh, the, the opposition is the best boxer. Even the, the even the, his opponent was saying that they are a, a superior boxer than Holloway is. And Holloway brought up his mentality of an O and O mentality, where he goes into each fight with that, an O and O mentality where it's fresh. And Bostwick's uh, look on that was, it was fresh. And he said, you know, I never thought of that. Um, you know, you have to look good. You have to maintain, you have to be safe, get the win and, and make, make a statement. And I spoke with Doolittle about that. And he had a different opinion. I was expecting the same answer. And he said, you know, it, it, you, that's, that's good. And you can also go into it with an O and one mentality. So that's like that almost sounded like an even hungrier version of the Holloway mentality as well. It was it was it was pretty cool to get the those perspectives. Mindset. Yeah. 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 yeah so obviously, uh, Jake is um, Jake is another student of mine, and he uh, the boy's a beast. The boy's an animal, um, and he's a heart and sleeve guy. Mm. Heart and sleeve guy that um, very emotionally driven, mm. and uh, boys, he have some power when he lands and he's another one who's had a very interesting martial arts journey up and down. He's fought at 210 pounds down to 170 pounds. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he, he, so basically what happened is he was in a gym training and I was like, his record at the time was, it was something like three wins and six or seven losses. And I, I saw him, he was doing some partner drills, just doing some low kick partner drills. And I remember it very clearly. 
And I turned around and went, how have you ever lost a fight? You're so powerful. You're so strong. You're quick. You look the part. And reality was that he never had a, a coach behind him mm. or a target. It was just taking fights whenever he could, etc. So uh, an interesting story. He then went on a 13 or 14 win streak when, when he teamed up with me, which was awesome. And we were pushing for UFC. We were pushing for Bellator. Uh, he moved to uh, ATT a lot of the times to do some training out there to up his game and move around with elite elite fighters. Um, and uh, he took a fight in Russia. Uh, and in a, in a nutshell, he, he needed the finances at the time. And I, I remember he went over with his uh, his coach from the States. I think actually they got denied their, their visa. So Jake could get through and his dad ended up doing the corner. Um, and it was a bit of a, a, a dicey fight. I can't remember the name of the promotion. It was a Russian promotion, a really big promotion. And uh, anyway, it was a heavier weight, of course, and Jake's got no fear. That's what you got to love about that guy, no fear. Um, and uh, they're, they're both weighed in. I was looking at the weigh-in over, over the stream and stuff. And, um, and they both looked relatively, I mean, the guy looked a little bit bigger, but not too much. Anyway, next day, I was watching the, the pay-per-view, and the guy looked twice the size of him. And I remember Jake landing this boom, snap jab, and the guy didn't even move. And the guy just sort of mauled him, got on top of him, and put Jake down. I can't remember what he put him down with, and the fight was off. And I felt so sad for Jake because he was so close to being signed from one of the big, big, uh, big companies, right? The big uh, events. Um, but that's that's his journey. And he's fought kickboxing, he's fought Muay Thai, he's fought boxing, unlicensed boxing, he's done charity boxing. MMA, of course. Now he's doing bare knuckle boxing. The guy loves it, loves it. Absolutely li lives for it. And I think he's found his groove with BKFC. My self-esteem been draining me I'm patiently waiting to get a stage like free parking I'd be set, I spent monopolies They'll be gossiping constantly about my sets Yeah, I'm passing go with no way to invest Holding purple till I'm dead that's me, that's me. And I'm sorry for that, yeah. And I'm sorry for that, yeah. Yeah. That's me, that's me. Ever had a problem unseen quietly. Hoping this a dream, sorry, sorry.